Number 16 of A Christmas Miscellany 2018 by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Number 16, Captain Santa Claus by Charles King. There was unusual commotion in the frontier mining town when the red stage, snow-covered and storm-beaten, lurched up in front of the Bella Union and began to discharge passengers and mail. The crowd on the wooden sidewalk was of that cosmopolitan type, which rich and recently discovered leads so surely attract, tough-looking miners, devil-may-care cowboys with rolling hat-brims and barbaric display of deadly weapons, a choice coterie of gamblers with exaggerated suavity of manners, several impassive Chinamen, very clean, several loafing Indians, very dirty, a brace of spruce, clean-shaven, trim-built soldiers from the garrison down the valley, and the inevitable squad of beats with bleary eyes and wolfish faces infesting the doorways of the saloons, sublimely trustful of a community that had long ceased to trust them, and scenting eleomizonary possibilities in each newcomer. But while the arrival of the stage was a source of perennial excitement in the business centre of Argentopolis, the commotion on this occasion was due to the tumultuous welcome given by a mob of schoolchildren to a tall, bronzed, fiercely moustached party the instant he stepped, fur-clad, from the dark interior. Such an array of eager, joyous little faces one seldom sees big boys and wee maidens they threw themselves upon him with shrill clamour and enthusiastic embraces swarming about his legs as with twinkling eyes and genial greeting he lifted the little ones high in air and kissed their dimpled cheeks and shook the struggling boys heartily by the hand and was pulled this way and that way until eventually borne off in triumph towards the spick-span new shop with its glittering white front and alluring display of fruit pastry and confectionery all heralded forth under the grandiloquent but delusive sign bald eagle bakery upon this tumultuous reception argentopolis gazed for some moments in wondering silence when the transfer of the children and their willing captive to a point some dozen yards away rendered conversation a possibility the spokesman of the sidewalk committee shifted his quid and formulated in frontier phrase the question which seemed uppermost in the public mind who in thunder's that that said the soldier addressed that's captain ransom it's good times the kids be having now belong to your regiment yes captain of b troop been away on leave ever since we got here seems fond of children said the argentopolin reflectively got any of his own nary he belongs to the whole crowd the b company fellers be glad he's back they think as much of him as the kids do good officer huh you bet ain't no better in the cavalry at this unequivocal endorsement from expert authority the eyes of argentopolis again followed the big man in the fur overcoat with three or four youngsters tugging at each hand and a dozen revolving irregularly about him he was striding across the street keeping up a running fire of chatter with his thronging satellites soldier he was unquestionably tall erect of carriage broad of shoulder deep of chest with a keen quick glance from under his heavy brows 
eyes full of light and fire nose straight and prominent a great moustache that hid the curves of his handsome mouth and swept out across the square and resolute jaws a moustache that like the wavy brown hair about the temples was tinging with grey strong white teeth glistened through the drooping thatch and one or two merry dimples dotted his bronzed and weather-beaten cheeks over on the neighboring side street from the steps of the schoolhouse other children surveyed the group and with envious eyes and watering mouths beheld the demolition of tarts and turnovers despite the keen and searching cold of the mountain air rare and still and brimming with ozone as november days can ever find it the school shoved its hands deep in trousers pockets and stared with all its youthful might even so blessed a half hour must have its end and as the warning bell began to ring and the townies to shout that recess was over the merry throng spoil laden came pouring down the bakery steps with many admonitions to their big benefactor not to think of starting for the fort until school was out and they could escort him home two or three of the smallest still clung to him explaining that only the big ones had afternoon school they were all through they had nothing to do until the ambulance came to take them all at four o'clock and the captain became suddenly aware of two little people standing on the sidewalk and regarding him wistfully one was a sturdy boy of seven with frank blue eyes and chubby rounded cheeks a picture of solid young america despite the fact that his little fists were red and bare his knickerbockers though well fitting were worn and patched and the copper toes of his cheap heavy boots were wearing suspiciously thin he stood protectingly by a little maiden whose face was like those of sir joshua reynolds seraphs a face as pure and oval as ever sculptor modelled or painter limbed with great lustrous long-lashed eyes and delicate and dainty features and all about it tumbled a wealth of glistening golden hair and all over it shone the look of childish longing and almost piteous entreaty one little mittened hand was clasped in her brother's the other uncovered hung by a finger in her rosy mouth she was warmly clad her little cloak and hood were soft and white and fleecy her pygmy legs were cased in stout worsted and her feet in warm arctics and mother's darling was written in every ornament of her dress ransom stowing away a handful of silver came suddenly upon this silent pair and stopped short another instant and he had stooped raised the younger child in his strong hands and with caressing tone accosted her why little snowdrop who are you what a little fairy you are she ain't one of us piped up a youthful patrician disdainfully she's infantry he's her brother and they don't belong to the fort the boy's face flushed and he looked reproachfully at the speaker but said no word ransom was gazing with singular intentness into the downcast face of his little captive won't you tell me your name little one he pleaded why didn't you come in and have some tarts and turnovers with the others i've got to run now and meet some other old fellows at the stage office here little man he said as he set her down take snowdrop in for me and you two just eat all you can and you pay for it for me he held out a bright half dollar snowdrop's eyes glistened and she looked eagerly at her brother but the boy hung back 
for an instant he hesitated screwing his boot toe into a convenient knot-hole as means of covering his embarrassment come jack said the captain reassuringly touching him on the shoulder the little fellow shook his head why not my boy pleaded ransom papa won't mind when you tell him it was old uncle hal that's what they call me a lump rose in the youngster's throat his head went lower it it's mamma wouldn't like it he finally said and just then with rush and sputter of hoofs two officers came trotting around the corner threw themselves from their saddles pounced upon their comrade and overwhelmed him with joyous greeting another minute and others arrived and between them all he was led away up the street while some of the children confidently followed two remained behind little snowdrop refusing to be comforted was applying the back of her mittened hand to her weeping eyes and turning a deaf ear to her manful brother who was vainly striving to explain matters mog carleton's crying because phil won't take the money and give her some goodies said little jack wilkins in an opportune pause who did you say asked ransom turning suddenly and looking inquiringly at his friends there was an instant of embarrassment then one of the officers replied maud carleton ransom those are poor phil carleton's little ones wait for me at the office fellows i'll be along in a minute was the response and the captain went striding back to the bald eagle it was an old story in the cavalry very few there were who knew not that captain ransom was a hard-hit man when kate perry the beauty of her father's regiment came back from school and with all the wealth of her grace and loveliness and winning ways refusing to see how she had impressed one or two solid men of the garrison fell rapturously in love with philip carleton the handsome dashing scapegrace of the subalterns it was hard lines for old colonel perry it would have been misery to her devoted mother but she was spared it all the grass had been growing for years over her distant grave the wedding was a glitter of gold lace champagne glasses and tears everyone wished her and him all happiness but dreaded the future there was a year of bliss and little phil was born another year when she was much taken up with her baby boy and the father much abroad a year of clouds and silence then came sudden call to the field and one night with reeling senses she read the dispatch that told her he was shot dead in battle with the sioux when little maudie came there was no father to receive her in his arms the gray-haired colonel took the widow and her children a few short years to his own roof then he too was called to his account and with the widow's pension and the relic of her father's savings the sorrowing woman moved from the garrison that had so long been her home and took up arms against her sea of troubles she need not have gone all fort raines knew that there were officers who would gladly have taken her and her beautiful children to their fireside but she was loyal proud high-spirited and she could not stay all the roof her father had to leave her was the frame cottage at the ranch he had bought and stocked a mile below the fort she was a soldier's daughter brave and resolute she had her father's old soldier's servant and his wife to help her and she moved to the ranch and declared she would be dependent on no one 
when first she had come into that glorious valley a girl of eighteen a large force of cavalry was encamped around the garrison in which her father's regiment of foot was stationed and captain harold ransom became one of her most devoted admirers though nearly twice her age few men had such chance against such a lover as phil carleton buoyant brilliant gallant the pride of all the juniors in the infantry the despair of many a prudent mother and when that engagement was announced the cavalry were rather glad to be ordered away and to comfort themselves with the perilous distractions of indian fighting for three or four stirring years but before they left ransom and others had bought much of the land on which argentopolis gleamed to-day perhaps it was the silver that came into his hair as well as his pockets but silver did not cause the lines that crept under his kindly eyes and around the corners of the firm mouth he was rich as army men go but his heart was sorely wrenched he went abroad when the indian campaigns were over and rejoined while his comrades were on the pacific coast and became the delight of the children and the children's mothers captain santa claus they called him at walla walla and vancouver where he was the life of those garrisons and while men honored and women waxed sentimental towards him it was the children who took possession of the tall soldier and made his house their home who trooped unbidden all over it at any hour of the day and made it the garrison playground when the rainy season set in and drove them to cover and then after their four years in the columbia country the regiment crossed the big range and wonder of wonders headquarters and six troops one of them ransoms were ordered to fort Raines. he was again on long leave when the change of station occurred and the widow drew a long breath she found life very different with her father's old friends and hers removed as the children grew in years their needs increased she sold the stock and much of the land of the ranch keeping only the homestead and the patch around it but she was glad to find employment at the fort as teacher of the piano and singing she played well but her voice was glorious and had been carefully trained the news that he was coming had given her a shock it was more than eight years since she had seen him it was more than five since she had briefly answered the letter he wrote her on hearing of her husband's death it was so manly sympathetic and so full of something he knew not how to express a longing to shield her from want or care she had gently but firmly ended it all and yet she was bitterly poor now handsomer than ever said the officers who knew her in the old days still wearing her mourning and looking so tall and majestic in her rusting weeds she was a woman whose form and carriage would be noticeable anywhere tall slender graceful with a certain slow languorous ease of motion that charmed the senses her face was exquisite in contour and feature a pure type of blonde blue-eyed saxon beauty with great masses of shimmering golden-brown hair no wonder ransom felt a thrill when he looked into maudie's eyes the child was her mother in miniature at twenty-seven with all her trials mrs carleton was a lovelier woman than in her maiden radiance at eighteen what she had gained in strength and character through her years of poverty and self-abnegation god alone knew and he had been her comforter 
for nearly a year the garrison children had been going into town for school an excellent teacher having been secured in the east and mrs carleton eagerly embraced the chance of sending hers she could no longer afford a nurse to look after the wee one she could not take her on her daily round of lessons and her infantry friends had gladly seen to it that the little carletons were carried to and fro with their own so too when the cavalry came had colonel cross assured her that the ambulance should always come for them and bring them back to the post everybody wanted to be kind to her or said so at least but the ladies were all new and strange she had never been the pet among them she was in her own regiment they had not known and loved her father as had the colonel they had heard of handsome phil carleton as who had not but they had heard of hal ransom's old-time devotion to her and now he would soon be back rich growing gray everybody's friend the children's idol oh what if she should set that widow's cap for him now the possibility was appalling and christmas was coming and the children had been weaving glowing pictures of the bliss to be theirs because captain santa claus was homeward bound and little maud was listening with eager ears and her blue-eyed brother in silent longing the boy was his mother's knight and champion she took him into her confidence and told him many of her troubles and time and again after maudie was asleep the two were rocking in the big armchair in front of the hearth the little fellow curled up in her lap his arms around her neck his ruddy cheek nestled against hers that looked so fragile and white by contrast he knew how hard a struggle mamma was having in keeping the wolf from the door and he was helping her little hero that he was wearing uncomplainingly the patched knickerbockers and cowhide boots wearing in soldier's silence the thoughtless jeers of his schoolmates and taking comfort in the fact that sensitive little maud was always prettily dressed she had been petted from babyhood for scarlet fever had left her weak and nervous and so the coming of glad christmas tide was not to them the source of boundless joy it seemed to others for days maud had been coming home from school full of childish prattle about the lovely things the other girls were going to have couldn't she have a real wax doll with truly eyes and hair that would sing and say mamma and a doll-house with kitchen and a real pump and stove in it and dining-room and parlor and lots of lovely bedrooms upstairs and a doll carriage like mabel vane's with blue cushions and white wheels and body and umbrella top she was tired of her old dollies and her broken wagon why didn't people ever give her such beautiful things if she was very good and wrote to santa claus wouldn't he bring her what she wanted so very very much poor mrs carleton do our hearts ever ache over our own troubles as they do over the longings of our little ones she promised maud that santa claus would bring the very thing she craved and now she knew not how to fulfil her pledge commissary and butcher bills were still unpaid and she so hated to ask even for what was due her it is such an old homely heart-worn story that of christmas yearnings that must be unfulfilled we lay down our cherished plans with a sigh of resignation but when baby eyes and baby lips are pleading god forgive us if we are not so humbly patient if we accept our burden not without a murmur or yield not without a struggle 
she had other sore perplexities she well knew she must meet hal ransom two days had elapsed since phil had told her of the reception accorded him and maud had preferred her complaint against her brother for being so mean to her in not taking the money and giving her a treat heaven how the widowed soul hugged her boy to her bosom that night and kissed and blessed and cried over him come what might he should have a christmas worth remembering for his remembrance of her she had long planned to send to chicago for a handsome suit to replace the worn and outgrown knickerbockers it would have crushed her to think of her boys taking money from him of all people no matter what the forties did then came the question as to how she would meet him go to the fort she had to every day and meet they must it was not that he would be obtrusive he was too thorough a gentleman for that and her last letter to him was such that he could not be it was written in the ecstasy of her bereavement when she was hiding even from herself the faults and neglects of the buried philip to whom she had given her girlish love with lofty spirit she had told him she lived only to teach her children to revere their father's memory and that she could never think of accepting aid from any one though she thanked him for the delicacy and thoughtfulness of his well-meant offer she had asked herself many a time in the last year whether if it were to be done again she could find it in her heart to be quite so cold and repellent she wondered if he had ever heard that the last year of her handsome philip's life had been devoted more to other women than to her she could not tolerate the idea that he above all should suppose that between philip and herself all had not been blissful and that she had been neglected not a little and yet and yet was she unlike other women that just now her toilette received rather more thought than usual and that she wondered would he find her faded changed they met as men and women whose hearts hold weightier secrets must meet with the ease and cordiality which their breeding demands seen there was none but she saw and saw instantly what she had vainly striven to teach herself she was utterly indifferent to that in his eyes she was no more faded than his love in hers she could have scourged herself for the thrill of life and youth it gave her that night little philip was hugged closer than ever he had been telling her how the captain was moving into his new quarters and the children trooped over there the moment they got back from school and would not ask them because they were infantry and maud cried and the captain himself came out and took her in his arms and carried her and made him come too and they all had nuts and raisins and apples and the captain was just as kind to them as though they were cavalry more too for he kept maudie on his knee most of the time and wanted us to stay but we had to go and meet mamma and he said that was what made him proud of me from the first because i was so true to you mamma said phil i suppose because i wouldn't take his half dollar she was silent a moment pressing her lips to his cheek and striving hard to subdue the tears that rose to her eyes she had something to ask of her boy that was hard very hard yet it had to be done you were right philip it would have hurt mamma more than words can tell had you taken money from well from anyone we are very poor but we can be rich in one thing independence 
mamma has not had much luck this year it seemed all to go with papa's old regiment but we'll be brave and patient you and mamma and say nothing to anybody about our troubles we'll pay what we owe as we go along won't we phil i wish i could help some way mamma you can my soldier boy he looked up quickly and patted her cheek then threw his arm around her neck again something told him what it would have to be maudie is a baby who cannot realize our position philip is my brave little knight and helper it's it is so hard for mamma to say it my boy but if we buy what she longs for at christmas there will be nothing left for the skates and i know how you want them and how many other things you ought to have you have helped mother so often phil can you help her once more for all answer he only clung to her the closer and now holiday week was near at hand it was friday and school would close that afternoon and for two blessed blissful weeks there would be no session at all christmas day would come on tuesday and the forties were running riot in the realms of anticipation they hugged each other and danced about the street when the express agent told them of the packages that were coming almost every day for captain ransom and the little townies who were wont to protest they were glad their papas weren't in the army were beginning to show traitorous signs of weakening it was a sore test if every regiment had its own santa claus as the forties said and older heads were noting that for some time captain ransom drove not so much townward up the valley as down and that there was a well-defined sleigh track from the lower gate over to the ranch officers coming up from the stables were quick to note the new feature in the wintry landscape and to make quizzical comment thereon then on sunday the third in advent a heavy snowstorm came up during the morning service and the wind blew a blizzard it was only a few weeks after the captain's arrival but his handsome roans were well known in the valley already and the ladies looked at each other and nodded significantly as they saw the team drawn up near the chapel door when the congregation came shuddering out into the cold mrs colonel cross who had a charming young sister visiting her for the holidays and mrs vane whose cousin pansy had come over from her brother's station at fort whittlesey had both offered ransom seats in their pews until he chose his own but he had chosen his own very promptly and it was well down the aisle opposite that to which mrs carleton had humbly retired after her father's death as a consequence the higher families reached the door only in time to see the captain bundling the widow and her little ones in his costly robes and driving away through the whirling storm that night the wind died away the snow fell heavily and all the next day it lay in silent unruffled unfurrowed beauty over the broad level below the fort and though the captain's sleigh went townward towards evening and the butcher's bob tore an ugly groove along the lower edge there was now no trail other than the footpath along the willow-fringed river bank joining the garrison with the widow's gate when friday came and the plain was still unfurrowed fort Raines was unanimous in its conclusion captain ransom had offered himself again and been rejected the households of vane and potts and the ladies at least at the colonel's breathed freer captain ransom was invited to christmas dinner at all three places and begged to be excused 
he explained that he purposed having all the children at his house from eight to ten for general frolic that evening and would not the ladies come over and see the fun mrs vane and pansy were for changing their dinner hour to five o'clock if thereby the captain could be secured and vane sounded him but without the hoped-for result he would have to be at home he said mrs carleton was narrowly watched women who had been disposed to treat her coldly could have hugged her now if they could be sure she had really refused the best catch in the cavalry and left a chance for someone else but mrs carleton gave no sign and she was a woman they dared not question what staggered the theory of renewed offer and rejection was the warmth and cordiality of manner with which they met in public and they met almost daily there was something that seemed to shatter the idea of rejection in the very smile she gave him and in the reverence of his manner towards her estrangement there certainly was none and yet he had been going over to the ranch every day and his visits had suddenly ceased why they scanned his face for indications but as mrs vane put it he always was an exasperating creature you could no more read him than you could a mummy monday before christmas had come and colonel cross trudging home from his office about noon caught sight of the tall and graceful figure of mrs carleton coming towards him along the walk he was about to hail her in his cheery style when he saw that her head was bowed and that she was in evident distress even while he was wondering how to accost her she put him out of doubt her lips were twitching and her cheeks were flushed tears were starting in her eyes but she strove hard to command herself and speak calmly you were so kind as to order the special for me this morning colonel but i shall not need it i cannot go to town he knew well that something had gone wrong blunt rugged old trooper that he was he had been her father's intimate in their cadet days and he wanted to befriend her more than a little he suspected that hers was not a path of roses among the ladies at rains in his presence they were on guard over their tongues but he had not been commanding officer of several garrisons for nothing mrs carleton he impetuously spoke something's amiss can't you tell an old fellow like me and let me uh, settle things surely it is something i can do she thanked him warmly it was nothing in which he could be of service she declared trying hard to smile she was a little upset and could not go to town but he saw she had just come from mrs vane's and he knew that estimable and virtuous woman thoroughly and drew his conclusions whatever was wrong it was not unconnected with her monitions or ministrations of that he was confident as for mrs carleton she turned quickly from the fort and took her lonely winding way among the willows to her valley home a heartsick woman counting her ways and means she had found that to pay for the items she had promised maud and had ordered for her boy the latter being the suit sent c o d from chicago she would have to ask a favor of her patrons at the fort she had arranged with the proprietor of the big variety store in town that he should set aside for her a certain beautiful doll and one of the prettiest of the doll carriages and that she would come and get them on this very afternoon 
to meet her bills and those expenses and that there might be no disappointment she had addressed to the parents of her few pupils a modest little note enclosing her bill and asking as a kindness to her that it might be paid by saturday the twenty-second courteous and prompt responses had come from all but two and with the money thus obtained she had settled her little household accounts mrs vane and mrs potts however had vouchsafed no reply and it was to the mothers not the fathers her notes had been addressed on monday morning therefore when she went to give miss adele her lesson she ventured to ask for mrs potts and mrs potts was out spending the day at mrs vane's so thither she went and with flushing cheeks and deep embarrassment inquired if the ladies had received her notes mrs potts had and was overcome she said with dismay she had totally forgotten and thought it was next saturday she meant and now the captain had gone to town and there was no way she could get at him then came mrs vane's turn mrs vane too had received her note but she was not overcome with much majesty of mien she told the widow that she always paid her bills on the last day of the quarter and that her husband was so punctilious about it and so methodical that she never asked him to depart from the rule mrs carleton strove hard to keep down her pride and the surging impulse to cry out against such heartless superiority of manner and management there was a tinge of reproach in the plea she forced herself to make for her baby's sake you know there are no more lessons this term mrs vane my work is done and i so needed it for christmas or i would not have asked and she smiled piteously through the starting tears mrs vane was sorry very sorry she could hardly ask her husband to depart from his lifelong practice even if he were here and he too had gone to town yes everybody seemed to have gone or sent to town for christmas shopping her little ones were alone in having no one to buy for them. Harold Ransom, too, was going, for she saw the handsome roans come dashing up the drive as she rose with a burning sense of indignity to take her leave. She came upon Miss Pansy in the hallway, all hooded and furred, and beaming with bliss at the prospect of a sleigh ride to town, behind the roans, no doubt. Never mind that, now. Her heart was full of only one thought, her babies where were now her long-cherished schemes all fort Raines was blithe and jubilant over the coming festivities maud was wild with anticipation and she alone she alone who had worked so hard and faithfully that her children might find joy in their christmas awaking she alone had seen her hopes turn to ashes in her pride and her vehement determination to be beholden to no one she would seek no help in her trouble she went home asking only to be alone thankful that the children were spending the day with friends in the garrison and could not be there to see the misery in her eyes full an hour she gave to her uncontrollable grief locked in her room sobbing in utter prostration her eyes were still red and swollen she was weak trembling exhausted when the sudden sound of hoof-beats roused her the blood flew to her cheeks despite her prohibition then he was here he had come again and something told her he had fathomed her trouble and would not be denied she heard the quick firm tread upon the steps the imperative rat-tat-tat of the whip-handle on the door 
she could have called to her faithful slave mrs malloy the striker's wife who had known her from babyhood and bidden her tell the captain she must be excused but it was too late bridget malloy had seen her face when she came home had vainly striven to enter her room and share her sorrow had shrewdly suspected the cause of the trouble and through the keyhole had poured forth a voluble hibernian fealty and proffers of every blessed cent of her savings but only to be implored to go away and let her have her cry in peace even had mrs carleton ordered her to deny her to the visitor it is probable that mrs malloy would have obeyed her own instincts sure it's glad i am to see the captain was her prompt greeting and it was a black day that ever let you go from her come right in and i'll call her to you it's all broke up she is and so she had to come there he stood in the little sanctuary where philip in photographed beauty beamed down upon her from over the mantel and philip's rusting sword hung like that of damocles by the fragile thread of sentiment that bound her to the past there he stood with such a world of tenderness yearning sympathy and suppressed and passionate love in his dark eyes she came in almost backward striving to hide her swollen and disfigured face he never strove to approach her with one hand on the mantel he stood gazing sorrowfully at her with one hand on the doorknob with averted face she silently awaited his words i have disobeyed you kate though i left my sleigh and came on roscoe i have tried to accept what you said eight days ago but no man on earth who has heard what i have heard to-day could obey you longer no listen he urged as she half turned with silencing gesture i'm not here to plead for myself but my heart is breaking to see you suffering and to think of your being subjected to such an outrage as that of this morning of course i heard of it i made them tell me the colonel had seen your distress and told me you had abandoned the trip to town i found out the rest yes mrs carleton if you so choose to term it for she had turned with indignant query in her eyes i pried into your affairs do you think i can bear this to know you are in want for want it must be or you'd never have stooped to ask that vulgar purse-proud patronizing woman for money do you think i can live here and see you subjected to this by heaven if nothing else will move you in philip's name in your children's name let me lift this burden from you send me across the continent if you like i'll promise to worry you no more if that will buy your trust i've lived and borne my lot these eight or nine long years and can bear it longer if need be what i can't bear and won't bear is your suffering from actual poverty kate carleton won't you trust me how can i be your debtor captain ransom ask yourself ask anyone what would be said of me if i took one cent from you i do thank you i am grateful for all you have done and would do oh it is not that i do not bless you every day and night for being so thoughtful for me so good to my little ones it wasn't for myself i was so broken to-day it was for my my babies oh i i cannot tell you and now she broke down utterly weeping hysterically uncontrollably in the abandonment of her grief she threw her arms upon the wooden casing of the doorway and bowed her head upon them 
one instant he stood there his hands fiercely clenching his broad chest heaving his bronzed honest earnest face working with his weight of emotion and then with uncontrollable impulse with one bound he leaped to her side seized her slender form in his arms and clasped her to his breast in vain she struggled in vain her startled eyes filled with resolute loyalty to the old faith blazed at him through their mist of tears he held her close as once again despite her struggles and her forbidding words he poured forth his plea you can take it and you must take it for your own sake for your children's sake even for his give me the right to protect and cherish you i i don't ask your love oh kate be merciful and then fatal inspiration but the face he loved was so so near he never would have done it had he thought it was only as utterly unconquerable an impulse as his wild embrace his lips were so tremulous with entreaty with love sympathy pleading pity passion everything that impelled and nothing that restrained that with sudden sweep they fell upon her flushed and tear-wet cheek and ere he knew it he had kissed her there was no mistaking the wrath in her eyes now she was free in an instant and bidding him be gone he begged hard for pardon but to no purpose she would listen to nothing go he must his presence was insult and he left her panting with indignation a vengeance hurling goddess a wild-eyed juno while he at full gallop went tearing through the snowdrifts recklessly dolefully yet determinedly back to the post in half an hour he was whipping to town when sunset came and the evening gun awakened the echoes of the snow-shrouded valley and the red disk went down behind the crested bluffs far up the stream a sleigh came out from the fort and captain vane with curious mixture of cordiality and embarrassment restored phil and maud to the maternal roof and begged to hand her the amount due from him and from captain potts for family tuition he had only heard uh, accidentally a few minutes before of her request and wasn't there something else he could do would she not go to town with him to-morrow morning she thanked him she hardly knew what to do here was the money at last but it was christmas eve now and there was no time to be lost and town lay full six miles away perhaps she wished a messenger now suggested the captain he would send in a mounted man gladly knowing no other way to secure her treasures for her little ones she breathlessly accepted his offer briefly explained the situation and told him how she longed to have the presents there with the trifles she had made for them to greet their eyes with the coming day the messenger could go to the store and get the coveted doll and carriage there would surely be sleighs from the fort that would bring them out for him and he would find the box from chicago at the express office and could pay the charges and sign the receipt on her written order to the agent it was arranged in a moment and with reviving hope she gave the children their tea and strove to get them early to bed ten o'clock came the little ones were at last asleep she had filled the stockings with such inexpensive but loving remembrances as she could afford and had tottered dangerously near the brink of another flood of tears when malloy and his wife came in the one with a box of tools for phil the other with a set of china for the doll-house 
she had finally bidden those faithful friends good night and having arranged the few gifts she had for the children she threw over her shoulders a heavy shawl and went to the gate to listen for the messenger's return it was a perfect night clear still and sparkling the moon shone brightly upon the glistening mantle of snow and tinged with silver the pine crest across the stream westward on a little rise were the twinkling lights of the fort far beyond far up the narrowing valley other lights dim and distant marked the position of the town she could hear the faint muffled sound of shots with which the benighted but jubilant frontiersmen were hailing the coming of the sacred anniversary like some midwinter fourth of july with exuberant and explosive hilarity then nearer at hand soft sweet and solemn there floated out over the valley the prolonged notes of the cavalry trumpet sounding the signal lights out the good night of the garrison then all the broad windows of the barracks were shrouded in sudden gloom only in the quarters of the officers on the opposite side of the parade were the lights still twinkling in one of them nearest the gate high up aloft and close under the gables there gleamed a brighter light than all the others even in the chilly air she felt the rush of blood to her cheeks that was ransom's house she well knew he had chosen it farthest from the quarters and stables of his troop simply because it was at the end of the row overlooking the valley and nearest her two weeks since he had said to her that he could not rid himself of the thought of her isolation though off the beaten track a full three-quarter mile and within long carbine range of the sentries she was still far away almost unprotected though indians were no longer to be feared there were such things as tramps and blackguards in the settlements she laughed at his fears she had lived there three years and never heard a sound at night other than the occasional howl of a coyote and the distant watch cry of the sentries she had brave old malloy with his gun and bridget with her tongue and nails she had philip's sword her own brave spirit and her boy what had she to fear all the same struggle against it though she would it was sweet to hear his anxious questioning even if unmolested by marauders something might go wrong maudie have croup a kerosene lamp burst she might need help who knew i shall put a bright lamp and reflector in the little round garret window every night as soon as i get home he said and should you ever be in danger or need throw a red handkerchief over your biggest lantern and show it at the top window if the sentries don't see it at once fire malloy's gun she promised laughingly though repudiating the possibility she had told herself that philip's spirit was all the protection she needed but the night landscape of the valley the night lights at the fort had acquired of late an interest they never knew before she would have scourged herself had she believed she would have stormed at any one who suggested that she went to look for his light but if ever it failed to be there at ten or eleven or later she knew it whatever might be his evening occupation at the fort a dinner a card party officers school non-coms recitation it was his habit on reaching home to go at once to the garret and post his sentinel light what would he not have given for an answering signal and there was the light now he was home then and despite her anger and his banishment he was faithful 
Christmas Eve, and only ten, and he was home and watching over her. She was still quivering with wrath at him for that ravished kiss, at least she told herself she was, and had told him a great deal more. Was it quite fair to drive him from her home as she had, when Phil was so fond of him, and Maudie loved him so, and he was so devoted to them? What could he be doing at home so early? There was a party at the adjutant's, she knew. She had been obliged to decline. She had three invitations for Christmas dinners, and had said no to all, gratefully. There were many who wanted to be kind to her, but she had only one dress she considered fit to wear. So, too, had little Maud, and as for her brave boy Phil, he had nothing, unless the suit from Chicago came in time. Without that, he could not go to the captain's Christmas tree. Why did not the messenger return? She was becoming feverishly anxious. It was too cold to remain out of doors. She entered and paced fitfully up and down her little parlor. She went in and bent over her sleeping children and rearranged the coverlets with the noiseless touch of the mother's hand. She leaned over and kissed them softly, and now that her surcharged nature had had free vent and the skies were cleared by the morning storm, she felt far gentler, happier. Her cry had done her good. Her hopefulness was returning, but not the messenger. What could detain him? Where could he be? It was eleven, and long after, when at last she sighted a shadowy horseman loping across the moonlit plain, and slowly he dismounted at her gate and came to her, empty-handed. He was a soldier of Vane's troop, and his tale was doleful. He had been set upon in a saloon, robbed and beaten. The money was gone. He had brought back nothing but bruises. As a consolation, he imparted the fact that it was too late to get the doll and carriage. The last ones had been sold that evening, as she had not come to claim them. Then he had stepped in to take a drink, because he was cold, and then the catastrophe had occurred. True or false as might be the story, there was no doubt of the veracity of that portion which referred to the drink. Conscious that it was too late to do anything at this hour, she simply dismissed him, bidding him go at once to the post, barred and locked her door, and sat down, stunned and heartsick. This, then, was the joyous Christmas for which she had worked so long and hard. She raised her arms in one last appeal to heaven, then threw herself upon her knees beside her little ones, and buried her face in her quivering hands. What would their early waking bring to them now but disappointment? For half an hour she knelt there, helpless, stunned then lifted her head, startled. Someone was fumbling at the storm door. With her heart in her throat, she listened, incredulous, fearful, then convinced. The boards creaked and snapped beneath a heavy, stealthy tread. She heard beyond doubt a muttered question, a reply. There were two of them then. All was darkness in her parlor now, only the light burned in the children's room. Her heart bounded, but she stole, despite trembling knees, noiselessly into the parlor, stooped and peered through the slats, and sure as fate, two men, burly, muffled so that they were unrecognizable, were bending down at the storm house in front of her parlor door. Quickly she rose, scurried through the parlor, up the stairs to the room above the kitchen, where she rapped heavily at the door. Malloy, Malloy, she cried. 
no answer but a snore and heavy breathing she rattled the knob and called again this time with success who is it was the startled challenge it is i mrs carleton quick malloy two men are trying to break in at the front door she heard the bound with which the old soldier leaped to the floor she ran into the front room one quick glance showed her ransom signal light blazing across the mile of snow one moment more and muffled in red silk her biggest lantern swung glowing in the window then down the stairs she hurried to her children just as malloy with his carbine and bridget with his six-shooter swept gallantly into action she heard his fierce summons who stands there and listened breathlessly no response who dare i say dead silence not even scurrying footsteps she crept to the window and peered out no one near she raised the sash threw open a shutter and gazed abroad the little piazza was deserted unless both were hiding inside the storm house no see over amongst the willows by the stream there were shadowy figures and a sleigh they've gone malloy they are up the river bank with a sleigh she called and then she heard him furiously unbarring the parlor door preparatory to a rush she heard it swing open an impetuous sally a collision a crash the clatter of a dropped carbine against the surrounding woodwork a complication of anathemas and abjurgations from the dark interior and then a dialogue in choice hibernian are you hurted terence i am bad scran to the blackguards that left their thrunk behind em trunk what trunk she bore a light into the parlor and revealed malloy with rueful visage doubled over a big wooden box planted squarely in the doorway robbers indeed mrs bridget whisked him out of the way ran and closed the children's door and in another moment had lugged the big box into the parlor and wrenched away the top the two women were on their knees before it in an instant first they dragged forth a great flat paper-box damp and cool and moist and this the widow opened tremblingly a flat layer of white cotton dry then paper a flat layer of white cotton moist and then peep upon the fresh green coils of smilax rich with fragrance sweet moist dewy exquisite lay store upon store of the choicest flowers rosebuds and rose blossoms in cream and yellow and pink and crimson carnations in white and red heliotrope and hyacinth and fairest pansies and modest little violets and gorgeous tulips even great callas the first flowers she had seen in years oh captain santa claus who taught you christmas wooing where learned you such art as this beneath the box was yet another bearing the stamp of the great chicago firm sealed corded just as he had got it from the agent that evening phil's longed-for suit she hugged it with delight while tears started to her dancing eyes how good he was how thoughtful for her and for her little ones there beneath was the very white doll carriage blue lining umbrella top and all wherein reposed a wondrous wax doll the like of which maud had never dreamed there was a tin kitchen with innumerable appendages there was a glistening pair of club skates of finest steel and latest patent the very thing that phil so longed for and had so lovingly resigned there were fur cap and gloves and boots for him and such an elegant shawl for mrs malloy 
he could send them all he chose and no offence but to her on her he could lavish only flowers and then her irish allies returned to their slumbers and left her to the rapture of arranging the new presents and the contemplation of her flowers and she was hugging the big pasteboard box and gloating over her treasures when there was sudden noise without a rush up the steps and before she could drop her possessions the door flew open and in came a wild-eyed breathless captain of cavalry gasping the apparently unwarrantable query what's the matter for an instant she stared at him in astonishment holding tight her flowers she gazed at his agitated face nothing she answered how could anything be wrong when you have been so so but words failed her why your red light's burning he explained i declare i forgot all about it then another silence he threw himself back in an armchair breathing hard and trying to recover his composure do you mean didn't you mean to signal for help he finally asked yes i did an arch and mischievous smile now brightened her face when i swung it i wanted you to come quick and drive yourself away then she put down her box and stepped impulsively towards him two white hands outstretched tears starting from her eyes the colour surging to her lovely face where can i find words to thank you captain santa claus he rose quickly his face flushed and eager his strong hands trembling shall i tell you he asked her head was drooping now her eyes could not meet the fervent love and longing in his her bosom heaved with every breath she could only stand and tremble when he seized her hands kate will you take back what you said to-day she stole one glance into his passionate pleading eyes and her head drooped lower can't you take it back kate a moment's pause at last the answer how can i unless unless you take back what you what caused it never before had the little carltons waked to such a radiant christmas morning never had the forties known so royal a christmas tree never before was uncle hal so thronged with beaming faces and happy hearts but among all the little ones whom his love and thoughtfulness had blessed there was no face that shone with bliss more radiant with joy more deep and perfect than that of captain santa claus End of Captain Santa Claus by Charles King End of A Christmas Miscellany 2018 by Various